Edinburgh Napier Radio. Driving your academic development. Bringing staff and ideas together. Supporting our academic community. Brought to you by the Teaching Fellow Community. The School of Arts and Creative Industries. And the Professional Development Team. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Edinburgh Napier Radio Show. My name's Colin Gray and I'm reporting from the brand new office of the Vice Principal, where professional development and academic practice are now based. On this episode, we've got a couple of features for you. The first is a report back from the Media Enhanced Learning Special Interest Group that I attended uh, just recently and gives you a few tips on using video to help your teaching. The second feature describes a great resource for aspiring mentors, one which won uh, recognition recently on our own LTA Awards. So, on with the show. Edinburgh Napier University. At the start of April, I attended an event by the name of MELSIG. MELSIG stands for Media Enhanced Learning Special Interest Group. And it used to be focused on podcasting, but has recently expanded out to pretty much any use of media, such as video, audio, animation, or or anything like that, um, and it's just in education. They're a really active group, um, and they always always have some really cutting-edge activities going on right up to sort of recent research. So the presentations are always great, and they always keep you up with um, really new techniques. At the event, I managed to, uh, to grab the keynote speaker, uh, Lindsay Jordan from the University of the Arts London, to give us a little summary of her presentation. She was talking about her seven big benefits that video can bring to learning and teaching. And it was pretty interesting in that it didn't just talk about presenting to students. There were a few applications for video and actually improving your own practice and in situations where you probably wouldn't have imagined it would be much use. She also gives us a few tips on getting over the completely normal fear of capturing ourselves in video and how long it should go on for. So, I'll pass you over to the event itself. Bringing you the latest news and views from conferences. Right, so I'm here at uh, Milsig with um, Lindsay Jordan from... Uh, oh, where are you from again, Lindsay I'm Jordan? from the University of Arts London. Great, okay. And we just watched her uh, keynote um, on using video in education, so I just wanted to ask a few questions. Um, so firstly, do you want to just give us a quick summary of, uh, of, this, of the keynote you did earlier on? Okay, so my keynote was essentially about what video can do for learning and teaching. I think I based it around seven, seven things that video can bring us. Um, I won't run through seven here possibly because I can't remember them and what order they came in. But essentially, um, it's about giving a, an additional perspective to things. It is about um, allowing people who can't be in the room with you to share in the experience. And it's also um, about reminding yourself of, of where you were um, and being able to make a connection in many ways. So if it's a video of yourself talking, making a connection back with yourself to how you were feeling then um, and the kinds of things you were thinking at the time and taking a fresh perspective on that. Um, so I've been particularly using it with uh, participants on our PG Cert programmes, um, with peer feedback sessions. Um, I've also started using it with one-to-one sessions as well. And they just find it really, really useful um, because even if they make notes during the peer feedback sessions, um, they always say they when they watch the video back, they, there was stuff that they missed that they just didn't register or um, it just simply misrepresented when they wrote it down. Um, so that, that's what they've kind of got out of it as well. And I see that when I go and do teaching observations of tutorials and small group work around the university. There's um, the, the feedback that, that comes out of these sessions is just so rich. Um, and, you know, you can't possibly just record it, it all in a notebook. 
there's so much going on in those sessions and so 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 much kind of coming at you i think the only real way of of, of getting at it is is through a recording and i think i just prefer video to audio um for practical reasons and also for you know i, I think that it helps you connect much better with the event as well brilliant that's perfect um you kind of answered the question about what the things get out of it there, so that's, that's fine. You know. So, yeah, so why shouldn't people uh, be afraid of using video in their uh, lectures? Because a lot of sort of um, anxiety about using video um, with their students. I think um, it's not that people shouldn't be afraid. Um, people are always going to be um, a little anxious about these kind of things, about new experiences. And, you know, I, I always feel anxious whenever I'm about to be recorded or anything as well. I mean, it's perfectly natural. Um, I think the important thing is to just feel the fear and do it anyway and just to trust that um, that it will, it will get easier. And although the anxiety will never go away, um, you're going to get something from the experience that's going to make the anxiety worth it. Brilliant. Do you find the students are particularly uh, nervous about it, or is it mostly just the staff? It really does. I mean, the anxiety kind of depends on the situation, really, doesn't it? And if it's a peer feedback session and, you know, the the, the intended audience for the recording, um, you know, is really, you know, it's made explicit that it's really going to be for just that person or for, a, you know, that small group that's involved at the time, then, you know, the practicalities and the practical benefit of recording it for that person is, you know, is really quite significant and that then outweighs the anxiety that they personally feel. Um, so, yeah, it really does depend on the situation. Great. And lastly, just a wee quick question on, you mentioned a, a sort of ideal time for a video um, in your talk. What, what do you think about that? What's, what's, the, uh, what's a good time length for a video? I would say that nothing more than five minutes for anything, really, <laughs> except <laughs> in real ex- exceptional circumstances. Yeah. Um, uh, TED Talks, on, you know, obviously they go on for about kind of 20 minutes, but I, I haven't sat through many of them myself. Um, no more than five minutes. People are only going to sit through five minutes if um, they, they are really highly motivated to do so. If it's information that they really can't do without. I would try and keep st- stuff down to three minutes and try and get the important stuff in the first half. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. Edinburgh Napier University. This episode's featured resource from the, uh, the LTA Resource Bank as one of our previous LTA Award winners. The project was run by Barbara Needs and Mike Parkinson and centred around the creation of the Mentor Centre. The Mentor Centre is a resource aimed at providing educators with the information they need to be able to work effectively as a mentor and to support students' learning and practice. I'll let the experts tell you a bit more about it though, so here's Mike and Barbara describing their project. Our featured LTA resource. Historically, uh, it goes back to 2003 when we had a lot of questions that we need to ask about mentors. Now, the mentors are involved in training and supervising our students, so we needed to know more information about this. And basically, pressures came from our uh, governing bodies, NMC, about the need to have a greater knowledge and training and we decided that what we needed to do was to create an environment that was open 24-7 because clinical areas operate 24-7 so that people could then access what they needed to access. They could answer, they could have questions answered there and then if they just went to, to the site and then we could uh, give them lots of support. So that's really, I think, the, the kind of key things yeah. that we thought about. We have about 650 placements spread across the Lothian borders where we place students in the nursing midwifery courses. 
Um, and these mentors work in clinical practice 24-7. Um, and we needed to be able to get to them and give them information and be available to them with information. And obviously we just can't physically get round all these areas. The link lectures go out as much as they can. But we were getting lots of questions about the course, mentorship, who can mentor, based on the new NMC standards that were introduced in 2006, which changed a whole lot of mentorship. So Mike had originally the idea of, of setting this up, but the, the, kind of, the impetus became very acute where we realised we really needed to deliver to them the information and new standards and new ways of working for them to function as mentors for our students in practice. And without mentors in practice, we don't have students in practice, and without that, we don't have a course. So that kind of really put it in a, a nutshell about what we had to do and had to do it really quite quickly. Great, okay, that's a really good, really good introduction to it. Um, so what motivated you to get on the resource bank? What do you think the advantages for other people seeing this, how they could apply it to their own practice are? Um, I, I, th- I think um, what we realised is that, that just because you've built a website doesn't mean the job's done. And I think what we find is that we have to reintroduce this every, every year, basically, to people because new staff come on board, new staff qualify. Um, so I think the, the more people know about it, and in some ways I suppose it's getting staff as well to know about it um, as a resource so that they can tell people and inform people. So the resource bank is an excellent place because it's there, people can see it uh, and it let more people know about you know, what we're doing in terms of uh, supporting students, which is the fundamental role of what we do um, is to ensure that students have an excellent mentor to supervise in the clinical practice, which is a very stressful time for them. And I think um, for me it became quite apparent that whilst um, Mike and I kind of work bread and butter in mentorship, and and when we had put the the mentor centre together, we'd we'd gathered together a whole lot of materials about the student courses, the books, um, a whole lot of electronic resources, which um, many people weren't aware of, and we frequently got questions from staff within the school saying where will I find this information where does the students information on this sit, where will the mentors get this so whilst we were out advertising the mentor centre to the mentors in practice because that's what it was built for um, it became apparent to me that a lot of our colleagues within the school of nursing midwifery didn't know where these resources sat or the information related to mentorship and they needed a, a resource to, to go and find information and that was quite a an intriguing process, even locating all the different bits of information relating to the programmes we run. But we're not resting on our laurels because we have plans for a new website. Um, The the Meta Centre effectively is a repository for information and what we're working towards now is a more interactive website where people can um, complete information, complete mini-assessments and get feedback on it so that these two things will work in harmony together. I think that's really yeah, uh, when mentors qualify, they go on a mentor national mentor register, which is recognised by the National Midwifery Council, and they have to update themselves every year to keep on that register. And uh, we have a series of update programmes which run in practice for mentors to do that, but that means they've actually got to be released from their area to go to classes to keep updated. And again, if we don't have mentors, we don't have students in practice. So this new part to the Mentor Centre will allow us to actually 
convert the face-to-face update sessions that we have electronically and put that up there so the mentors could actually use the mentor centre, as Mike says, in an interactive way to do their updating and then get feedback from that, assessment feedback from that to use in, in a face-to-face discussion with ourselves, fellow mentors, etc. because that's another element that we must demonstrate to stay on the register. Mm-hmm. Did you get any direct feedback from the students about it? Any, any sort of, um... We incorporate um, a, a link to the Mentor Centre in the students' documentation and we have an outcome which asks them to specifically work with the mentor um, and to use the Mentor Centre as part of a, a resource. Um, so the, the, there are indications that they're using it because the outcome has to be achieved and it's always achieved. So that, I suppose that in itself is evidence that, that it's happening. Um, from that point of view, I think the students, they are aware of it. Uh, and, of course, what we're seeing now is a lot of our students becoming mentors. So there's a kind of uh, cycle that's being completed for many of them. You know, I recognise names from... from uh, and, and I suppose the good thing, Barbara is chair of the Practice Placement Committee, so is very much involved with monitoring what's going on in practice. I work in year one adult nursing, so we're very good at maintaining current and relevant information because that was one of the problems in the past. People would put things on on websites and it would be completely out of date. So we work very hard at at making sure things don't get out of date. We do get feedback, though, from um, the practitioners, that's the mentors and managers in practice because we we have to do um, audits of every practice placement area every 18 months. So one of the questions we ask at audit is, have you been on the mentor centre? Do you use this? And when we actually do student evaluations, we do mentor evaluations as well. So through that, we ask them, do you use the mentor centre? Have you been on there? What resources do we provide for you? What can we provide for you? So we get constant feedback from them about using it and what they need, because what it was, the content was developed based on three or four years ago, what they told us they needed but that needs to be constantly updated as to their, their, their current change in practice. So we get um, feedback via the mentors, via the audit and their evaluations about how well the mentor centre works and is useful f- for them. Um, and we get very positive comments via the, the, the evaluations of the students and the mentors to say, this is a really good tool, I didn't know it existed before, and some of them, the charters, say, we wish we had that when we were mentors because we spent all day trying to find a link lecture to ask a question. Edinburgh Napier University. Well, that's us reached the end of the show. That just leaves me to say thanks very much for listening. I hope you found something to whet your uh, educational appetite. And on that note, we'd love to hear from you, um, you, the university staff, about what you'd like to hear more about, more about in the future. Let me know what subjects you're interested in, what you'd like to hear more about, and I'll make sure it's included in a future episode. Please also drop us a message to say hello or pose a question for our educational learning technology experts within um, uh, the Office of the Vice Principal. And you can do this by emailing me at c.gray at napier.ac.uk, or even better, send me an audio recording so we can get your voice on the show. It'd be great to get some feedback from uh, from you guys out there just to see what you're listening and how you're finding the show. So if you could get back to us, that'd be brilliant. So that's all for this week. And see you next time on the Edinburgh Napier Radio Show. This, this programme was brought to you by the Teaching Fellow Community, the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and Edinburgh Napier's professional development team.